What's going on, everybody? Sam Rothstein here with the Candid Clarinetist Podcast. I just want to first start this episode out by saying thank you all so much for such an incredible year. I mean, this this whole thing sort of spawned as kind of a just an idea I had because I felt like there was something missing in our community and with clarinetists and musicians and just uh, getting sort of behind the scenes with someone who's really been there. And, you know, it started as an idea back in April when I was just trying to figure out what to do. All my concerts were canceled. There was nothing, you know, in sight for me. So I just wanted sort of a hobby and it just kind of turned into this thing and it became these weekly episodes and I've had incredible guests. I mean, just looking back on this incredible year, I mean, we've had principal clarinetists from major orchestras. We've had CEO of Buffet Crampon, Francois Clock, which was just a terrific episode. We've had Maestro Jack Everly, who's the principal pops conductor of the Indianapolis Symphony and various other orchestras. Uh, we've had people, uh, functional fitness experts, and it's just been uh, incredible. I mean, just just incredible that all these people would devote their time uh, for me and for you to sort of share their knowledge and information. And I've just had a great time. It's been very motivating for me in terms of my practicing, in terms of my inspiration. I've sort of relit the fire under myself in terms of my career. So I just wanted to say thank you to all my guests, uh, incredible guests that I've had this year, and thank you to all my incredible listeners. I wouldn't be here without any of you. And speaking of that, if you aren't yet subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That'll give you notifications and uh, automatically download the episodes as soon as they're available. Uh, that really helps the podcast continue to grow. Uh, speaking of growth as well, we did hit our 500 follower on Instagram goal by the end of the year. I think we're up to almost 530 followers now, which is just incredible. Um, I'm looking forward to continuing that presence on social media, being more active with it, and all the great things that I have planned for this coming year. So with the rest of this episode, I planned on sort of taking a look back and just giving out my top three episodes that I had for this past year. And these are just personal favorites of mine um, in terms of just the content. And, you know, obviously all my guests were incredible. Like they, I just, I can't thank them all enough. And, but these were, these were three that really kind of stuck out to me. Um, but before we get to the top three, I guess let's do some honorable mentions for me in terms of my episodes. Uh, one that really sticks out to me, honorable mention wise is, uh, Andy Hudson, who is the uh, assistant professor of clarinet at the UNC, excuse me, at UNC Greensboro. And uh, he, he had a really inspirational episode. I feel like if you were sort of lost in, in your thinking and your thought process in terms of just where you're going with your career, give that episode a listen. I mean, he really has some inspiring words in terms of the struggles that he went through. And uh, we shared some stories with each other, and it was just really inspiring for me to have him on. Another episode that I have to point to was uh, Steve Williamson, who is the principal clarinetist of the Chicago Symphony. Uh, just an incredible episode listening to him. I mean, obviously, he's one of the best clarinetists in the world, and uh, it was incredible to, to have him on and for him to devote his time to me. Uh, and he has a really interesting concept in terms of like how he plays and how he projects. And so obviously, anybody interested in being an orchestral musician, that's that's a can't-miss episode. So. Uh, with that being said, um, I want to get into sort of some moments from some of my favorite episodes. So the first episode that I wanted to highlight was actually my very first episode that I released. And this was my interview with Lori Bloom, who was the bass clarinetist of the Chicago Symphony for 40 years and my teacher. Um, and he's just an incredible person. 
And uh, a lot of the things that he said really struck me. And, and this is why I love the guy so much. And as you can probably tell by listening to my podcast episodes, I really have a strong affinity for him. Uh, he's just a great person. And uh, I'm, I'm honored that I had the chance to study with him when he was still teaching and playing. Um, but he, there were a couple of moments from this episode that I want to highlight that you can listen to here. Uh, the first moment was... I sort of asked him about his thoughts on the bass clarinet and why he sort of chose that instrument and and he gave some really interesting perspectives. So take a listen to this clip and and hear what he has to say. For me, the bass clarinet, like I always think I'm a good clarinet player, but I feel like I can get closer to what I imagine something sounding like at using the bass clarinet as my vehicle. Like I feel like I just there's something natural about it to me that I don't get with clarinet. And I don't know why that is, but it's just kind of the relationship that I have with the instrument. That, that's an interesting comment. I can, I, I don't know why, why that is, but I feel that way a lot too. And I, and maybe it's just that both of us have an affinity for the instrument, which lots of very, very good clarinet players don't happen to have. Yeah. And I think too, there's something about, being a part of the, especially in the orchestra, there's something about being adding to the whole in a way. And if you have, I mean, you can stick a lot of people in an orchestra and have them play a bass clarinet, but if you stick you in an orchestra, it changes the sound fundamentally of the orchestra because there's another voice in there and another color. And to me, that was always really powerful is like, being able to play with the trombone section or the bassoons and shaping the way that the orchestra fundamentally sounds. And I always just love that about the instrument. Well, you know, that's a lovely comment. And that's, that's always been my goal is, is not to take over, but to, but to add it, all, all the corners as we re refer to it, the, the piccolo, English horn, contra and, and bass, we're all color instruments. And if we're not adding color, why are we there? So the next clip I'm going to play for you is when I asked Laurie about some of his most memorable concerts from his career with the Chicago Symphony. And this was really cool to hear because I think Laurie was really a part of the Chicago Symphony during its uh, glory years. I mean, obviously, it's still a terrific orchestra. Um, but, you know, we're talking about Schulte was the music director. I mean, the, the infamous Chicago Brass with Bud Herseth and... Arnold Jacobs. And so Laurie sort of takes us on this journey where he goes through very memorable performances with specific conductors. And he talks about sort of what the conductor can do for an orchestra like the Chicago Symphony. So take a listen to this clip and uh, hear what he has to say about uh, his incredible experiences with these amazing conductors playing these uh, masterworks. I mean, the very first one that pops into my head was that Rite of Spring with Schulte because I'd played Rite of Spring, but I'd never had an experience like that. Uh, Schulte did not try to pretty up Rite of Spring. Some conductors do, and and Stravinsky didn't didn't really want it prettied up. <laughs> and yeah. it it was raw and angry and and fantastic. You know, I think of uh, we did a a Mahler one with Klaus Tenstedt, and Tenstedt was 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 great. He's an odd little guy, or not so little. He's big, tall now, but 
he took, you know, I think Mahler one, we all play. I, I think at one time I played Mahler one every season and every year at Ravinia for like 10 years in a row. It's like, come on guys, there are other symphonies. <laughs> There's nine of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Tenstedt took more risk with that than anybody else I played it with. And to me, what makes that symphony interesting is when you really pre push the boundaries. And, and it, was, it was great. Carlos Kleiber only got to play for him once. It, it was unbelievably magical. He did Brahms too with us. We are an orchestra that doesn't like conductors to tell stories. And he, sa and he said to us at one point, it's like an old man walking through a field holding the hand of a little girl. And we were all like, yep, yep, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Abato, of course, was principal guest when I first joined. His Tchaikovsky was spectacular. You know, you could play Tchaikovsky 5 and you think, oh, it's a war horse. And it, there, it was so perfect. It, it just, it was perfect. I mean, there was just... And you could play it. We did it on tour over and over and over. And every night you were like, yep, that was the way it goes. Barenboim did the complete Tristan with us. It, it was fantastic. You know, I'd, I'd never played the complete. I played the big act two, which has the huge bass clarinet part. Uh, but to do the whole thing was really, was really an experience. And working with Hightink, uh, Bernard Heitink was just such a elegant gentleman, you know, generous and kind, and and a small beat which which you know this orchestra had played years for Reiner, and they, and nobody had ever stopped liking that little. The smaller the beat, the better, and and Heitink was great at that, and and of course Boulez. It, Boulez, you always learn something. It didn't matter wh whether it was conduct conducting brand new things or he'd do a Mahler symphony. And some people complained that emotionally it wasn't you know, the same as Bernstein, say. But you always learn something. You know, you heard things you'd never heard before because he got it balanced so perfectly. All, every conductor I've mentioned, the through line is that is this orchestra had so much respect for those people that you know we came with our game faces on to the first rehearsal. Everybody was you know excited to work, and and so, and so it was a two way street. You know we had somebody that we we thought was worth really paying attention, and and they were working hard. And that worked. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to this entire episode, I highly recommend going and downloading it. Uh, like I said, it is one of my favorite episodes that I've done, and it happened to be the first one. So go ahead and head to the download page and give that episode a listen. Now, the next episode I wanted to highlight was my talk with Ixi Chen, who is the second clarinetist with the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, and she is the director of the Digital Clarinet Academy, which is a fantastic online learning platform for clarinetists. 
And this episode was just great. I, I had so many musician and non-musician friends tell me how much they love this episode. They just loved like how interesting she was and she's just this incredible entrepreneur. And so this up uh, this portion of this episode I'm going to highlight is when she talks about the different kinds of things and people that they wanted to bring in for the Digital Clarinet Academy and she wanted to bring in repair technicians and mouthpiece craftsmen and instrument craftsmen and just realize that there's this whole world that we don't really know because we're just so focused on playing, but it's really all contributes to the clarinet world. So here's a little clip from the episode with Ixie Chen. Yeah, we definitely wanted to get the, um, Melanie Wong came and Mark Jacoby came and Tomoji. Um, just an aspect of understanding the instrument you're playing you know, being able to make a quick fix, especially now when you can't really travel or you have to ship your instrument over to somebody. Um, we had Ramon come and talk about mouthpieces and um, Brad Bain came, talked about his ma- mouthpieces and Lee Livingood. Um, just these makers who, Brian Corbin was there, makers who um, were, were able to share a little bit about the craft of creating something that is so essential and personal to you as a musician and artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we sometimes feel a little disconnected to a lot of students feel disconnected to who is actually making their, their mouthpieces, barrels, their instruments. Francois clock came on and talked about the buffet process. Um, but I think understanding your instrument on a different level, just knowing all right, so this is how the mechanism really connects, or this is how um, oh, the Dario and um, Van Doren came as well, talking mm-hmm. about reeds and the manufacturing process. Just getting behind the scenes a little bit and knowing that, hey, you know what? I'm really interested in and curious about that. I kind of want to check that out a little bit more. Maybe it's a career path for me. So the last episode that I wanted to highlight was my conversation with Meister Jack Everly. Uh, I was so honored that he joined me on the podcast. I mean, obviously, obviously he's someone with great stature and, uh, you know, he conducts the Memorial Day concert and the 4th of July concert on the steps of the Capitol building. And he's worked with all these amazing orchestras and crafts, these incredible pops programs, but he's just a really fascinating person and just really, truly one of the incredibly great people in this industry. And I can't stress that enough, how important that is to just be a good person and be supportive and be engaging and warm. And he really exudes all of these values uh, in his work. And I was just so honored that he was able to join me. And he really told this really sweet story about his uh, experience at his first Yuletide where one of the stagehands sort of gave him a gift at the end. And that's when he sort of knew that there was something special happening with his relationship with the Indianapolis Symphony. So here's a little clip with Jack Everly telling a story about receiving a stocking from Flyman Dan. At the conclusion of the last performance, which was, I don't know, at that point it was 27, I think. Um, as I was turning around, this stocking, the small one, was being lowered from the fly loft. And I turned around and there it was in front of me. And this is tape and it says Maestro Jack. 
and this really great guy. We knew him as Flyman Dan. He operated the flies, and anything that flew in for the show, he was in charge of. He's no longer with us, bless him. That was lowered, and it was meant as a gift from the crew. Oh. And there is this thing that if you have been accepted by not just the musicians, that comes first, of course, but by the stage crew, you know there's some part of your humanity that is thought to be worthwhile. <laughs> and this is on my dressing room door ever since 1994 because Flyman Dan lowered that so that I would see that as a gift. It was filled with things, candy and whatnot. Mm. And I have never forgotten that ever since. Wow. So that's pretty special for me. Yeah, what a sweet story. And I think that's that's a good way of... You know, because it really is, they always say, uh, and this this I believe is used a lot in hyperbole, but they always say it's the Yuletide family, and it, it does feel like that, you know. I think for a lot of other groups or a lot of other collections of people, it can be uh, a little, you know, repetitive or what what have you, but for this group, it really feels like something. It feels like something's happening, you know. Um, it does feel that way. It is a cliche. It's like, oh, it's my family, but it, it really does feel that way. Uh, not a dysfunctional one, I might add. It, it really it feels good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so for links to any of these episodes, make sure to head to your favorite podcasting platform. You can reach all of these platforms via our website, candidclarinetistpodcast.com. That's the easiest way. That's sort of the central hub of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. You can find information about myself and the podcast. There's a blog that I've been posting about recently. I've done... Uh, a couple of installments of lessons from, uh, excuse me, lessons learned from the pandemic. And uh, those have been really popular for for reading. So go ahead and head over to the website, canonclarinetispodcast.com. That'll get you to anywhere you need to go in relation to the podcast. Now, I wanted to take a second at the end of the episode to sort of talk about what's next. So I still plan on doing uh, podcast episodes. I'm not sure the frequency of them, uh, it was a little difficult to keep it up every week, but certainly every two weeks, at least, uh, you know, a couple times a month, I will be releasing episodes. We're still going to have fantastic guests and interesting topics, and I'm looking forward to continuing this and sort of see where it goes. But I'm really excited about a new project that I'm going to be starting. Some of you may know that I have a YouTube channel. I usually post my podcast recordings on that YouTube channel, so that's another option if you want to uh, watch the podcast uh, in a video format. Uh, I do live interviews. In and record the video for it. Um, but if you haven't yet, head over to the YouTube channel, make sure to check it out. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button because I'm super, super excited that I'm going to be starting to really ramp up the YouTube content coming up here. And I plan on mostly doing product reviews. So the first thing on the docket is I'm going to do a comparison between the 1195 Tosca buffet bass clarinet and the 1193 Prestige bass clarinet because there's really no resources out there. You can find samples of people playing both, and but I, I just feel like there needs to be an in-depth review because if somebody's going to look to buy a new bass clarinet, I feel like they, they're going to need some sort of reference and resource 
you know, to try to figure out which way they're going to go, which direction they're going to go. And so that's going to be the first video I'm working on it this week. I'm hoping, knock on wood, to launch it next week, but we'll kind of see how long that process takes. But it's going to be a really, really cool video. There's going to be B-roll footage. There's going to be A-roll footage. There's going to be, uh, you know, nice lighting and everything. I'm, I'm really planning on making these really nice uh, so you guys enjoy watching them and there's it's it's great content. So be sure to check, go, check out the YouTube channel. Head on over to YouTube and search for the Candid Clarinetist. That's me. You'll know because it'll have all my podcast uh, recordings. There's some fun videos on there. Like there's a video of me playing the Avengers theme song for four bass clarinets that I posted uh, back this summer. Uh, so check that out while you're there. But yeah, the, the YouTube channel, I'm really going to start ramping up efforts. And also, if you guys have any requests for product reviews or something that you want me to do, make sure to just email me. Head to my website, candidclarinetistpodcast.com. There's a contact form there. Or you could also just message me on Instagram or message me on Facebook. I'm super available. Uh, I want to keep this content focused on what you guys want and what you all are looking to get out of it. So just make sure to hit me up if you have any requests or things that you might want to see me try out. Um, also for people that manufacture products or make products, uh, if you, if you want to send me stuff to review, I'm super happy to make a video for you. Uh, just let me know. Uh, once again, you can head to my website, candidclarinetistpodcast.com, and there is a uh, contact form there. So just send it with a little blurb on, on what you got, and I would be incredibly honored and happy to try that, make a little video out of it. Um, yeah, so that's sort of the plan for what's coming up in 2021. I think eventually... I'd like to do more sort of vlogging and just documenting sort of my everyday life in terms of where I fit my practicing in, where I do my editing, you know, that kind of thing. So just to share, you know, I want to be perfectly candid. I mean, you know, it's the name of my podcast and the name of my brand. And that's my goal is to just show everyone what it's like to be a musician, what it's like to be a professional clarinetist and sort of just break down these walls and make sure that uh, you guys have the biggest picture that you can possibly have in terms of what a life in music can look like. So with that being said, thank you all again so much for an incredible 2020. I know it's been a tough year. I hope that the Canon Clarinetist podcast and our content has just provided a little shimmering uh, bit of light for you and a little escape. And I look forward very much so to continuing to do this in the coming months and hopefully in the long-term future. So thank you all so much. And once again, if you aren't following us on Instagram or Facebook, make sure to head over to Instagram and Facebook at The Candid Clarinetist. Give us a like, give us a follow, comment on our photos, interact with us. It's going to be a good time. So I'm looking forward to 2021. It's going to be a great year. And as always, happy practicing.